0: Welcome to the Fearless Warrior Podcast. This is a place where truth is shared, taboos are disrupted, secrets are revealed, and power is gained. I'm your host, Danny Temras, and it is my personal mission to empower women in becoming the best version of themselves. Each week, I'm bringing you inspiring guests to help you build your confidence and mental toughness so that you can live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the next episode of the Fearless Warrior podcast. My guest for today's show is Regina Huber. Regina is a true global citizen, having lived on five continents, working with a variety of companies and individuals. Regina is a multicultural and multilingual leadership coach and consultant, sought out international speaker on a variety of topics, and an author of a new book, Speak Up, Stand Out, and Shine. In the first part of her career, Regina has held management positions at the Boston Consulting Group and spun up new offices in multiple countries in Europe. Today, Regina is heavily invested in supporting leadership development efforts around the world. She's the Deputy Director for Education and Head of Leadership Institute at IRA, African Intellectual Resource Organization, and a member of the advisory board for two foundations based in Nigeria and Australia among many organizations she's been supporting. In this episode, Regina and I dive into her biggest lessons from travel. We uncover the perils between dance and business and talk in length about leadership, what makes great leaders great. And we also dive into Regina's powerful leadership transformation framework. We discuss natural gifts women possess, which are great for business, and both of us rejoice over the stories and impact of TV Longstocking. This is an incredibly inspiring, heartwarming, and fun conversation. Tune in and share this with someone who needs to hear this. I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. As always, please do leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts so that we can better spread the message of empowerment to other listeners like you. And if you're like me and you're constantly juggling many balls, do sign up for my weekly newsletter on daniellatimras.com so that you never miss a new episode and now let's dive into the interview welcome to the next episode of the fearless warrior podcast regina thank you so much for taking the time to be with us on the show
1: daddy it is a huge pleasure to be here i'm delighted really to be chatting with you today good morning
0: Good morning and afternoon to uh, Germany. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's true.
0: <laughs> Regina, uh, tell us a little bit more about yourself. Like, where, where did you grow up and how did you make your way to the States?
1: Yeah, so it was on a detour, really, <laughs> because I grew up on a small farm in Germany where I'm right now, but I'm usually based in New York. But as a little girl, I was extremely shy and my world was really tiny, uh, but I always had this... Very adventurous spirit inside of me. So at the age of 19, you know, moved to Munich to study, the typical thing. And then 20 at 26, I decided to move abroad for the first time uh, with an opportunity that came up, and I just said yes to it. And off I went to Spain, and that was with BCG. And later, I also opened up offices for BCG in Portugal and Brazil. And you know, initially I thought, okay, I'm going to stay for a year, but then it. <laughs> It was seven years, and ever since then, I've never stopped moving. Really, so I've pretty much lived the life of a nomad since I was twenty-six. I lived in, in Brazil twice, Argentina twice. You know, nine years total in Latin America. Also spent uh, three and a half years actually in the Bay Area in San Francisco, where you live, and now I've uh, been based in New York for about years or so. In the last few years, I've also spent quite a few months in on the African continent where I've also collaborated with my local contacts or trainings and so on and conferences. And in my current transformational coaching business, uh, Transform Your Performance, is really the culmination of all my previous experience in my leadership positions at BCG, as a business owner in Argentina and Brazil, and, and also, very importantly, I would say also as a result of my passions for three main things. I certainly have more passions than that, but I think it's uh, three things that I would like to point out, and that's humanizing inclusiveness. So it's a very specific way of inclusiveness, about co-creation and dance, which I didn't grow up with, but I developed a passion for. <laughs> so that's it in a nutshell. What a life. You've lived on in so many
0: different countries. That is so exciting. Actually, I, I'd like to pause uh, on this a little bit and ask you, like, what have you learned through all of these amazing experiences through all the years of travel? Like, if you were to pick, like, maybe three biggest highlights or lessons.
1: Yeah, one is to always have an open mind. You, you know, these have been an extremely enriching experiences, and you know, the adventures haven't always been super positive. I've always gone through some very painful lessons, especially as a shy person, you know, I I really had to adapt and, 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 and find new friends, find new circles everywhere I went. So that was certainly extremely enriching also in terms of the cultural differences. It made me very adaptive uh, and uh, without losing my own authenticity, of course, you know, because um, you want to also... You want to also stay who you are, but but it's you. You will, despite that, you will not be the same person, of course, because you're going you got to pick up things uh, here and there from the different locations and the pe- people you meet on your way and those cultures as well. So I think open mind, really uh, being open for new experiences and learning from them. Yes,
0: absolutely. That's so important. To be able to adapt, but not to lose yourself in the middle of, a, of it all. So it can be tricky. But yeah, living abroad is so exciting. I can definitely attest to that as somebody who's lived in a few different countries myself. And it's always um, a great journey and experience. And You know, I'm kind of curious. How did you uh, get involved with your work in Africa or on the African continent?
1: Well, that was a personal preference, really. So I was really curious about Latin America in the past. I was, you know, I traveled a lot through Latin America. I lived there, as you know. Then I got also, of course, into closer contact with the African culture, through especially in Brazil. But also even through tango, because as you may know, tango, uh, as in Argentine tango, which I also uh, translated some books on and, and danced in the past, is an African word, right? So I learned a lot through that as well through translating those books um, and through living there. And of course, in Brazil, there's a huge heritage of African culture with uh, the, the whole samba music, the... Uh, uh, capoeira and all these different uh, elements of African culture. So that brought me closer. Also, my my Cuban friends, my Latin American friends, who all have a piece of that, right? Uh, Especially also in Cuba. I did some Cuban dancing. And it all brought me a a step closer to Africa. And eventually, when I moved uh, back to the U.S., after Latin America, again, for the second time, I uh, started doing more of those dances in New York City, both partner dances from Angola and and also other dances like Afrobeat and now specifically also Congolese Ndombolo, which is actually one of the classes that's coming up today after our interview. <laughs> so so mm-hmm. then, you know, it, it was a little bit, it came out of my own curiosity and interest, uh, and then I started developing all those different contacts. I had a lot of African friends uh, in New York and, and in the U.S., but also I started making friends online and then eventually traveling through those connections and uh, speaking at conferences, collaborating in projects. Uh, for example, the first one was in Ghana. I helped a group of women prepare for job interviews, and from there it went you know, in many different Directions. And just recently, I was appointed to Deputy Director for Education and Head of Leadership Institute for IRO, that stands for African Intellectual Resource Organization. So that's been very, very intense so far. (laughs) We're building a new leadership institute, which is really exciting for Africa and Africans.
0: That's incredible. I'm so glad to hear that. And wow, all of your experiences there are so rich and I can tell that you've almost kind of found the best in each culture, right? Or something that really inspired you or like the tango, like that, that's that's a dance actually <laughs> that I want to learn myself. Like, I, I love the passion that you can see and experience in the dance. And uh, yeah, dance is another form of self-expression. Maybe if you wouldn't mind, like very briefly, like I know the dance is very important to you. What has it taught you or given to yourself and to your life?
1: Yeah, so dance has taught me so many lessons. And, you know, after Argentina, I went to Brazil and did a lot of samariga fiera dancing, which I loved. Um, and, you know, and so and so on and so forth. But it's also taught me a lot of business lessons and leadership lessons. Actually, I wrote an article about that, and it's available on my website, transformyourperformance.com, on the blog page. I want to mention a few lessons that stand out to me. First of all, of course it, it taught me confidence because I wanted to dance. I did partner dancing first, right? So I wanted to dance with some of the best dancers. So what did I have to do to get to those? I had to really risk some, uh, take a risk and, and get up and maybe walk across the entire dance floor, ask somebody to dance and always with, you know, the possibility of getting a note. It also therefore taught me to deal with no's right and uh and to not uh feel this tremendous fear of rejection all the time when i got a no. so one is confidence the second is really teamwork uh, if you look at a dance ensemble it's all about teamwork uh, in a dance ensemble you really have to be able to rely on each other as if your life depended on it right uh, oftentimes because the movements are very risky and uh Of course, I'm not a professional dancer, so I observe this. I've learned this as an observer, right? Uh, But it's all about teamwork and, and about trusting each other, about building trust. Yeah, and it's also, of course, taught me a lot about energy and about not only my posture, but really about business presence. I talk a lot about, in my work, about a body and energy conscious presence. And a big piece of that comes from my holistic studies where I learned about energy and, and about mindset and all these different things. But also another big piece comes from dance and what it has taught me. And this dialogue also, the communication, yes, between two bodies. As a following in dance, I, I must be able to really pick up those little cues and signs from my dance partner's body, and that requires a lot of really active listening and that's not happening through w- words in this in, in this uh, moment, but through body language, through uh, being able to receive signs. And, and they're oftentimes very, very subtle. So, yes, I think these are some of the outstanding lessons, but there are many, many more about leadership, business. So you can read up on that in the article. Don't want to take the entire time up with this. I will definitely thank for the article and the,
0: and the show notes, uh, but it, it is very exciting and I love it how many parallels we can draw from different life experiences and then use it to um, get better and, and different skills or in life. So I think it's, that's super relevant. So today uh, you primarily spend a lot of time coaching, speaking, you're um, a sought out speaker on so many different topics. So tell us a little bit more about how you got into coaching.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, it it probably, you know, started when I moved back to the US after my second time in Latin America, I really had to reinvent myself. So you also may have... Listen to some other podcasts I was on and where I shared my my Brazil story, for example. I had a very painful experience with a business partner in Brazil. So that, together with my other experiences in, in Argentina as a business owner, where I had to deal with corrupt authorities and all of that, you know, it all marked me, of course, and it prepared me and gave, it gave me resiliency. And, um, and uh, all of this, Experience and the wisdom gained from these experiences came eventually together into my coaching business. So, as I arrived in the US, in New York City, and I looked at my previous experience, everything I'd lived and learned, which mostly was learning by doing in my case, whether at BCG or or as an entrepreneur. um, And I was looking at all those experiences and everything I'd learned. And now the question was, what am I going to do with all of this, right? So how can the sum of this eclectic background be of service to humanity in some way? And because of my love for dance, and although I didn't grow up with dance, but you know, I had this love for dance, I started out coaching performing artists. But through my active networking in New York and all over the US, I soon realized that I could provide more value to other groups, for example, women in business. They started actually... Asking me about things, you know, when they when they saw me, when they heard about what I do. So I, I've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs and mostly women entrepreneurs, but most of my private coaching clients over the years have actually been women in corporate and professional services who wanted to accelerate their careers or just needed support with some challenges, like example being more visible in their organizations being recognized as a leadership candidate or just being recognized for the value they brought to the table and and paid for it of course as well or maybe you know they wanted to move up to whatever next level they had in mind then including also top levels yeah so it all involved somehow organically over the years really so then i also as part of this development I created my signature framework powerful leadership transformation or PLT and of course I added on some other studies like conversational intelligence and and you know I read up on other topics learned a lot about neuroscience about mindset uh about specifically also the subconscious mind because a lot of people only talk about mindset on a more superficial level and all of these things that my clients now can benefit from so it's a it's a long list of things but you know it all just came together one after the other right so i had to just make one step after the other to get where i'm now of course i did also go through some trainings myself sort of in coaching myself uh, i learned a lot about you know speaking and how to build a signature talk and all these different things that we need that we need
0: <laughs> i'm curious to learn a little bit more about your uh, framework the powerful leadership transformation framework can you tell us more about that
1: yeah sure so the framework powerful leadership transformation it has four main pillars okay so the pillars are A self-empowering mindset and heartset. We don't talk about heartset enough and about the role of our hearts because our hearts are actually, you know, our heart brain is part of our brain. Then the second pillar is your distinctive uniqueness that has to do with your unique brilliance, what you bring to the table and how you can stand out in the world of business. And uh, the third pillar is a body and energy conscious presence. I mentioned that before. We don't talk about energy enough in business, although we know from science nowadays that everything we are is energy, and yet we hardly ever talk about it. So, knowing about your energy conscious presence really can give you an edge. And um, then the fourth pillar is inspired and effective action, which comes as a result of the first uh, of the first three. And but we still need to take action. So that's why.
0: Mm -hmm. Excellent. So um, are you teaching your clients how to adapt these frameworks or these individual pillars into their life or how do you use it in your work?
1: The specific coaching approach really depends on each individual situation. I always will pull in whatever is needed for every single client. Yes. And that's also why most of my coaching is done one-on-one. So it's customized to the individual situation, to that person and exactly what they need. But of course, all of what I mentioned earlier flows into this work. Yes. Uh, It somehow organically flows in. One thing that I, of course, see over and over with women is that they they don't trust themselves enough, you know, for example. And... um, all of what I've mentioned of my powerful leadership transformation framework helps them trust themselves more. And I also mentioned earlier conversational intelligence, which also has a lot of tools. That is not my IP, that is somebody else's, but I'm, I'm a, a practitioner. And uh, I, I pull from those resources as well as needed. So it really, we always want to really look at what that person specifically needs to move ahead. Yes. And that's what we use.
0: So let's spend some time diving into each of the pillars and also the conversational intelligence. That's something very exciting. So starting with the self-empowered mindset and heartset.
1: Yeah, so so self-empowering mindset and heartset. So we, you know, we, we hear a lot of talk about mindset and it's all really great. I do believe that uh, a lot of people stay very much on the surface of it. I'm not saying all coaches do that, but, you know, when we specifically talk about mindset, oftentimes we hear, oh, you just have to think positive. Oh, or just, uh, you know, do your affirmations. Well, these things certainly help. Although there are actually, (laughs) there are circumstances when they might be counterproductive, but that's, probably going into too much detail for this conversation but we can go much deeper with this and i personally work very intuitively as well so my clients always say oh how did you know this you know i I pick things up intuitively quite easily i I mean it's easy to read between the lines of what's said or to listen between what the lines i should say and and that certainly helps and of course i've studied neuroscience on the side uh, So pretty much self-studied, but I also studied a lot of the mind and and how it works, and specifically the subconscious mind through holistic healing techniques, uh, which I was always curious about. And about hearts and well, and conversational intelligence says that as well. Uh, The heart is a part of our brain. So we have our cranial brain, we have our gut brain, we have our heart brain. We perceive everything at least twice with our heart and with our cranial brain. And the heart brain is, I would even say, it's oftentimes a more, more intelligent piece of it because it is what's more related to our intuition. And we also perceive more emotionally through our heart. The important thing about this is to know also that courage comes from our heart, right? So we talk a lot about courageous leadership, for example. So courage comes from our heart. It oftentimes overrides our analytical thinking because if we evaluate a situation and it's risky to uh, go into that situation but somehow we know we just have to do it, that requires courage and that comes from our heart. So again, it's much more complex than this. But I think we must talk about heart set more in business. I also wrote an article, by the way, about bleeding from the heart and related topics such as decision making and, and so on. So there are quite a few resources on my website in the blog page as well.
0: Thank you. We'll include the links for anybody to, to review this more in detail. I'm specifically interested in the heart set and what that means. You already uncovered quite a bit plus like the mm, three different ways of looking at our brains you say gut brain the cranial brain and heart brain like i don't think i've heard of this level of analysis or looking at, at a brain in this way
1: yes so you know our brain isn't just about our analytical mind you know mm-hmm. we have the reptilian brain which helps us survive right you might have heard that we have olympic brain which is yeah. mostly in charge of uh, it also has to do with survival but it's also in charge of Our feelings, our emotions, and so many more things, and then we have our executive brain, uh, which is the prefrontal cortex. We oftentimes call it the executive brain because it's supposed to be in charge, and it's supposed to direct, for example, the amygdala uh, as we might be triggered to go into a fight, flight, or freeze situation, which is our survival mechanism, right? And but it's really important to also know that our really all our bodily organs and body parts have their own consciousness and our heart has a very strong connection to our cranial brain so that's it's very closely connected and they constantly work together and how however we oftentimes neglect that intelligence that we you know it's hard to separate it like you couldn't we wouldn't be able to see the difference if you could watch your thinking of your heart or your brain, right? But but they're they so closely connected and we oftentimes neglect or suppress this heart intelligence because we are told we have to be so analytical and so rational and that's how we grow up, right? We, we're told we cannot dream, we cannot daydream, all these different things. When these things are really such a substantial part of, of a successful career, really, because so many people always say, you've probably heard it before, dreams don't come true, plans come true. And I always say to that, yes, but there's no plan without a dream because a dream is similar to a vision, right? So these things, they don't only come from our cranial brain. They come from our entire body brain. And then the heart brain just really stands out because – It's so strong. You might have heard also that the heart can survive for at least a few moments after the rest of the body might be already dead. So it has really its own life force.
0: That's empowering. (laughs) It's so important to... Uh, be aware of this and also to tune in to our own, in, not just intuition, but this really requires us to be more in tune with our own body and pay attention. Because you're right, so many times we're like taught or encouraged to be analytical or to use our executive brain, as you, as you put it. And that's not all there is to decision-making or there are different levels or layers of information to consider and heart is one of it.
1: Right. So the executive brain or the prefrontal cortex has a very, very important role, right? And that's not only about analytical thinking. It's just really about actually being more intelligent in our decisions and rather than acting out of fear, uh, which is, you know, we also call um, this an amygdala hijack when we are, when our, when the prefrontal cortex is bypassed uh, by the survival mechanism and our, our amygdala puts us into into fear uh, mode, uh, you know, without any real reason, for example, right? There's no real threat, but we still at the slightest suspicion of a threat oftentimes go into fear mode. And the prefrontal cortex has that function also to regulate this. However, you know, the heart is also important because heart consciousness is about compassion. It's about love. It's about self-love. It's about courage, not for nothing. The words courage and and heart are related in so many languages. Like for example, in French, right? Coeur, uh, courage, in, in, in Spanish, corazon, um, uh, um, corazon, the heart, and, and coraje, although coraje in, in Mexican can also mean, for example, anger, but also in, in, in Portuguese, courage, coração. So you'll find several languages, Italian as well, where these two, uh, Words are very closely related. They have the same root. Of course, and that's also why I always say as a good leader, in my opinion at least, uh, you have to be able to lead from the heart. So what does that mean? When leading from the heart, we are compassionate as leaders. And we are not only compassionate, but also courageous. Because both of these come from the heart. I also should mention another article which I wrote <laughs> and we're going to put it there too uh, and I wrote that's very related to this specific type of leadership and I, I called it the new business consciousness of love, compassion and co-creation and that's also on my website although that's at a different uh, piece. so I would have to give you that link.
0: Let's dive in on this topic a little bit more uh, leading from the heart and new business consciousness what does that mean and how does one become a a good leader
1: so what makes a good leader in my opinion and what women can do uh, to to be selected for leadership roles i think you know we need to stay authentic to who we are first of all and not just imitate what we already have we want more balanced leadership that's what we always say but then again you know we look at examples and sometimes they're not the right examples and we we try to Just do what they do. So it's really important to think about, okay, what do we want to see in leaders? Yes. And and how does that, or how could that be expressed in ourselves? So uh, to me, it's five basic things, apart from many other important skills that, that a leader leads. One I already mentioned, a leader should be able to lead from the heart. A good leader also knows how to lead herself or himself, right? Leading always starts with self. And again, another article that I just wrote on transformational leadership uh, for, for a magazine, and I also posted it on my website. And the headline was in fact, leaders who transform themselves can inspire others to transform because leadership starts with self. And then of course, a good leader also knows how to build trust. And, and that refers to all stakeholders, all levels, it has also to do with communication, of course, transparency, build trust in teams. Uh, they have to build trust first in order to be able to get the best out of their teams because if somebody is, doesn't trust the process or the, or the person or the team members, the other team members, they will not share as much. They will not share their million-dollar ideas, right? And then, of course, a good leader needs a certain degree a degree of curiosity. That's Really, really important from my point of view. Not for nothing, my top leadership trait uh, is curiosity for myself. I found out only later in life that that even was a, a, a leadership trait. I didn't even know that in the past. And I think curiosity is important because that's what can make them better listeners. But not only that, it can also make them more inclusive leaders because when we listen more and when we find out more about who other people really are and when we do it from an authentic place that can automatically lead to more inclusiveness. And that has to do with uh, inclusive leadership is we want to be not I centered, not only about myself, but we centered. Yes. Leaders who are we centered and good leaders in my view are leaders who know that they work in the service of those they lead. They don't work in their own service. They work in the service of those they lead and they prefer co-creation to giving instructions or orders as they want to be in a partnership with their teams, with other leaders, with, you know, whoever they interact with and very importantly, and that's a part of this is they, they are not afraid to share power. So these are some of the really important things that, um, and I said five things, but there were a few sub bullets to that, of course. <laughs> so they're all related somehow. Um, and yes, and this new consciousness, new business consciousness of love, compassion, and co-creation has to do with all of these and with a lot more. Uh, it's It has less to do with competition and more with co-creation, to put it in a nutshell. Co-creation. Absolutely.
0: This was so spot on. I loved all the points that you highlighted in this overview. So let's talk, let's talk more about women in leadership. Mm-hmm. What would what you generally say? What are some of the key qualities that make women great leaders? And what can women do more of to get to more leadership opportunities?
1: Yeah, so I think what makes them great leaders? Well, you know, it's not so much about whether you're a woman or a man. I think it's more about typically feminine values that are just oftentimes more accessible or more easily accessible to us, such as social responsibility, sustainability. Women tend to be compassionate. They tend to be caretakers, so they have a natural connection to, uh, you know, Wanting to take care of others, right? And I don't mean that in a matronizing way or in a patronizing, I'm using matronizing because it's women, right? But in a way that um, really, that's caring, that is concerned with other people's um, well-being. And I think that's a really important piece. And also the more natural organic uh, relationship to what we talked about earlier, the heart set. Yes. I think also, although oftentimes women are told they shouldn't be so emotional, <laughs> they naturally do have a lot of intuition and emotional intelligence. You know, they don't always allow them themselves to to fully express that. But I think you know, emotional intelligence isn't just about throwing your emotions on the table or feelings out in the air, right? We know that it's about using your emotions wisely. It's about using your feelings as indicators and, uh, and knowing about your triggers and all these different things. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, with a little study, we, can, we women can do this quite easily. Uh, the second part of your question, I think, you know, when we talk about the biggest roadblocks that women often face or, or you know, what can they do to overcome those roadblocks? Well, I think a lot is about trusting themselves and trusting that they have this unlimited power inside of themselves. Uh, this We all have this tremendous creativity that all humans have. Yes, each in their very own way. It's just really a matter of whether we tap into it and whether we are aware of it and, and develop it. And in more concrete terms for women, oftentimes it's about speaking up more, asking more for what we want, while at the same time acknowledging my, uh, our own value and our worth. And we've heard it over and over, but how do we do this, right? Of course, one of the things that's also typically mentioned is applying for that promotion that they don't necessarily fulfill 100% of the requirements. But I see it over and over that, you know, once they do it once, they can do it again. I've seen it with clients, you know. Once they get that encouragement from somebody that is very specific to that situation, they actually do it. And then they do it again. I just got a phone call the other day from my a from client I worked with until earlier this year and she said, look, this other opportunity has come up and I'm gonna go for it. Just wanted to let you know. And I said, yes, do it. You know, (laughs) congratulations, go for it. And here I am if you need some additional support with it. But you know, I know that she's gonna do it. So I think these are the things. Just trust yourself a bit more and then also learn how to build trust with all stakeholders, with the decision makers in your organization, with those who can promote you. So that's what also uh, conversational intelligence is, is great for. It has a lot of different tools on how to navigate more successfully through conversations, including negotiations, and also really useful tools to network your way up. Thank you. That was great.
0: I know we mentioned conversational intelligence a few times throughout this interview, and i um, I want to make sure that everybody is on the same page off uh, on what that means. Could you share more about this?
1: Yeah. Conversational intelligence is a lot about the correct use of vocabulary, but it's also about connecting with other people on a different level, right? So how do you create trust? That's a very big keyword in conversational intelligence. Conversational intelligence was created by Judith Glazer and her team creating We, And it has a lot of tools that have been very successfully applied in uh, global structures of corporations. Also between countries that previously were not collaborating well. Uh, So, I mean, you know, different international teams, for example, that were not collaborating well and had a lot of um, prejudice against each other. And it was very successfully applied in those in those corporate cultures, and they now became more inclusive cultures and and cultures built on trust. And it also, of course, helped the creativity of the teams, which then, of course, leads to greater innovation as well as uh, higher productivity. You know, I also have a, a presentation and a session that I have done several times in person and also online, which is called Humanizing the Workplace. And it has a lot to do with building trust. And some of the recommendations that I give are also adapted from conversational intelligence and from those ideas. And then, of course, conversational intelligence has some very specific tools that I share with my coaching clients that I want to be able to share for free as part of our agreement. Uh, but I can share them with my coaching clients in their specific situations to help. Them. For example, one of my clients also was Oftentimes talked over by a male colleague, and you know the typical thing again. But it's often, although we know that this is happening, we are not always prepared for it. And uh, she found a way to work her way out of that situation so that wouldn't happen again.
0: That's fabulous. You mentioned humanizing the workplace, and I think this is so important topic to to touch on. Uh, Building trust is a big part of it, and you mentioned a few examples of what we can do to create a better work environment, but what else would be some critical actions that anybody can take? So women, men, all of us together, how can we contribute to creating a better work environment?
1: So I believe it's looking beyond those boxes that we put people in those categories and really seeing the human in each individual. Yeah, so looking at that so what does that person bring to the table not only for work purposes not only for you know <laughs> productivity purposes but also on a human level and um, this can help us then not only get the best uh, from them but also help them feel better and, uh, and they will become more loyal to to the organization and we all will have a better time at, at the workplace yes because of we spend so much time together, even though right now it might not be in person for a lot of people, but it doesn't really matter. Online, the same applies. And and, and, and people hopefully can go back to working in person and, and, and others are still working in person. So it really applies to all any situations. We need to learn to move away from those categories we put people into. And even in the diversity and inclusion work that is being done all over the place, I think it's not always the exactly right approach in that sense. So I know that's a very deep and and difficult conversation to have. It's a courageous conversation to have, but I really think that there are better approaches than what we sometimes do and I don't want to go too far into this here right now because it is a bit deep but I think that's a start if you just start looking at you know who is this person rather than looking at an external characteristic uh, or agenda or whatever it is first.
0: 100% so Regina this has been so enlightening in so many different ways I'm curious to know What is something that you'd like to share with the audience that you haven't shared yet, but it's important to put out there?
1: There's a few things, right? Uh, I I feel like we are in a time where it's really, very important to stand up for what you stand for. It's always been important. But now in these times, even more so. So we don't allow ourselves to be shut up or shut down ever. And step into your courageous warrior self. Yes. So it's really being clear about what you even stand for. And, you know, if your view is different from other people's views and if it's different from mainstream, whatever it is, just don't get discouraged and just really stay authentic to who you are. Yes. And um, never give up. That's one definitely important uh, piece of advice. A client of mine just said last week about something work related. I'm so glad I didn't give up. So glad I stuck this out. It felt a little bit like a battle, but it's so, so worth it uh, because I'm now making a bigger impact than I ever thought. So that's what I wanted to give to everybody. And also, you know, we live in times where it's become vital, and I really, really mean vital for us to think for ourselves and to do our own research about what's going on in the world rather than just consuming what we're spoon-fed every day. And so we all know that there are a lot of truths, meaning a lot of opinions, and and, and we we just have to dive and dig through an overload of of information and disinformation and misinformation all the time. So it's become hard to discern what's true, but there's only one truth that can take us forward to a future where we can continue to really live our personal uh, freedom in our careers and all of that. And really, have to say this because you know, it's important to consult lots of different sources nowadays, listen to the real experts, and also when you work with a coach, you know find out whether it's the right fit for you, uh, ask yourself what makes sense, use your own brain, uh, don't allow anyone to scare you. And the reason why I'm saying all of this is because everything I ever do through my work is in the service of freedom. So I just have to say these things here and I cannot not say it. And if I if you allow me to add one thought that is a little more on the lighter note, if we have a minute.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So, you know, I'm often asked um who my role model is, and, and that's always a very difficult question for me. And I've asked, you know, who inspired me, who influenced me, and certainly to a certain extent it was my dad, because he also had a very adventurous spirit, although we both lived in, in different ways. And, you, you know, I grew up on a farm, so I couldn't always travel so easily. But um, one thing that's really important, that, that after answering this, these questions, you know, so many times and never really having a great answer, <laughs> I now discovered who my role model is, and it's Pippi Longstocking. So, you know, I'm a very free spirit, and I like to follow my own path. So I don't really have a lo- lot of role models. But as a girl, I loved watching Pippi Lung stalking. <laughs> it just reminded me of her. I haven't seen <laughs> it for yeah. ages. <laughs> yeah. Think about that. Why is that? Because she was so rebellious, right? And and I'm, I have a feeling yeah. that you know people don't want to teach children. They want to control them a little bit more. And so, boy, I don't know. That's my suspicion, right? Because Pippi really was my favorite childhood heroine. She was such a free spirit. And there were not many children's programs at the time. And I I personally never liked cartoons, especially not Disney cartoons. I just intuitively never liked them. And Pippi lived such a life that was so free of conventions and free of rules. Such a rich life. She was courageous, yes? I was very timid, as I said, as a girl. So she was really <laughs> my model here. So she was courageous. Her life was one of freedom and of fun. And she wasn't afraid of her own weirdness and of her uniqueness. You know, She completely embraced it. And I think she was really a genius in that way. And she's also a big inspiration for her two friends, Tommy and Annika, right, who pretty much looked like the opposite to her. And without her, probably at one point would have died of boredom, right? So Pippi, I always saw Pippi as their salvation. She was adventurous and all of that. And she lived life so fully. And and so the only difference between Pippi and me is probably that it always has worked out for her and I've gone through a few bumps. <laughs> <So>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you think about it, books or even movies, right? They can have such a profound impact on our lives. And what we can really look into the meaning behind the words right or the story and what is it the true story, the message that the author wants us to know it's so deep. I'm really glad also like for selfish reasons that he brought this up because this helps me reconnect with my European heritage. <laughs> it, it, it actually reminds me of another book so I'm, you probably might know this one. I'm not sure if this is the exact English translation, but it was this is a book. From Astrid Lindgren, uh, the children of uh, Bullerbin. or the, yes, uh,
1: uh,
0: I love that book, and it's. I think both of these are Swedish or Scandinavian authors yes. who, right, who who brought yeah. this uh, to life. So there's yeah. some creativity in the Scandinavian region. so <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So
1: Annika is a more Scandinavian, I think, is a more Scandinavian name. She, she was a, one of the characters, one of the two friends, right? And yes, the bullet, I, I can't remember exactly. That one I like too, but I, I love Pippi Langstrumpf, because it was called in German uh, even more. So Pippi Langstrumpf is is, is the translation in German for yeah. Pippi Langstrumpf. Yeah. Yeah. It, <laughs> I just always was waiting for that and it was one of the few things that I Ever watched.
0: So <laughs> I love it. What a great way to kind of um, bring this all together. So to close this up, I want to ask you my final question. And that is, uh, what does being a warrior mean to you?
1: Yeah, so being a warrior, as I said earlier, has to do for me with, you know, knowing what you stand for and really also have the courage to speak up. Uh, that's probably also why I chose the title of my book, speak up, stand out, and shine. And, and that's on Amazon. But, uh, you know, it's, it's really about standing up for what you stand for, as I, as I said earlier, right? So not allowing yourself to be shut down by anybody, staying true to who you are, to what you stand for, to what you're here on this planet to do. And I am personally a freedom warrior. So everything I do is in the service of freedom. And uh, I also say sometimes everything is in the service of freedom to speak up, stand up and shine.
0: That's wonderful. I think we do need to fight for our freedom and encourage others to fight for theirs and uh, stand up for it in all the different ways of what that means.
1: And really know very deep down that it's your birthright to be free.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's a birthright yet still in this world, you know, there are so many who maybe are, are deprived of that, right? Or we, we still need to do a lot to to help each other.
1: Exactly. But why are they deprived of that, right? Because other humans want to take it away from them. So, you know, we need to remember as human beings that we're all connected, not only through energy, as we know through science, but also through spirit and that what we take away from one person is taking away from ourselves. So once we really understand this on a deep level, I think, you know, all this uh, nonsense would just stop. But we have a long way to go.
0: We do, but there's hope. There are people like you and Mm -hmm. and so many others in the world who make the world better. So there's definitely hope. Regina, are there any uh, parting thoughts you'd like to share with the audience?
1: I mean, of course, I would love to stay connected so for anybody who is listening thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your attention and for listening to my uh, thoughts I'm always very happy to be a you know, of inspiration in whatever way I can be and to share my wisdom that I've acquired through all these really pleasant and amazing lessons and some others that have been painful. And uh, I would love to stay in touch through LinkedIn. My LinkedIn profile is under my first and last name, Regina Huber. And then, of course, through my website, if you want to mail me, um through my website you can do that through the contact page of transformyourperformance.com or just send me a direct email at regina at transformyourperformance.com as i said my book is on amazon it's called speak up stand out and shine and it has some simple but very effective tools to mentally physically and uh, energetically prepare for challenging situations such as speaking such as negotiations
0: any challenging situations come business in business life. Fantastic. Go and reach out to Regina. She's a wonderful resource for so many different topics. And I feel so inspired through this conversation. And I definitely want to read more on your articles and take a look at your book more thoroughly. <laughs> uh, yeah. Regina, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed speaking with you today.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Daniela, for having me on. It's been a true pleasure for me as well. And I have to say, you are an amazing host. So anytime.
0: (laughs) Thank you. Let's talk more about PP. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for dialing in for, for this episode. Thank you and have a great day. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you for spending some time with me. And most of all, for investing time in yourself. If you found value in this podcast, share it with your friends and family and give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to our episodes. This will greatly help us spread the word and help others find it more easily. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Denny Timras. Shoot me a note and let me know what you thought of today's conversation. I always welcome any feedback or questions. Remember, now that you're here, you're part of a tribe. In this tribe, we care for each other. We lift each other up as well as share the raw, honest, unpolished truth that we often need to hear. So before you go, think about the next best action you can take to get you on your path to success. Don't wait for tomorrow. Make a commitment and do it now. Thank you again for listening. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a great day.